And, you know, what means something is what you actually do, not what you say you're going to do. What you actually deliver, not what you say you're going to deliver. And that seemed to me to just be, that's how you do business. You know, and it doesn't make any difference how big you get. What makes a difference is that you can always follow through on the trust you've established and deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. For those of you who are, who are watching, you see me smiling here. Every so often we run into some audio challenges. We're having those today. I appreciate uh, Jeffrey spending some time with us. So Jeffrey Madoff, you had started this previous conversation. Where are you? You're based here in the U.S., but where, where in the U.S.? I'm based in New York City. Oh, all right. Well, don't, don't throw your keyboard at me. We're just some country bumpkin knuckle draggers down here in Texas. So appreciate you being patient with us here. We got Jeffrey Madoff with us today. And I got to ask you, in 40 years in business, working with different people all across the country, what have you seen as the biggest change between when you started in business and then kind of where business is at today? Wow. You know, that involves so many things, Stephen, because there are tremendous changes that have happened technologically, and there are tremendous changes that have happened socially. And when you merge those two, you have social media, which has also impacted tremendous changes. So I think that fundamentally, people are people. Uh, However, I think that social media has amplified and given the opportunity to amplify the voice from the other side of the transaction, so to speak. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's very toxic and destructive. And because it's relatively new, we're still learning how to navigate that and do it in a healthy way. So I think that uh, the whole social dynamic has brought about changes that have affected businesses. You know, for instance, the transition from brick and mortar businesses to online businesses. And now some of the pure play online businesses like an Amazon or a Warby Parker have opened up brick and mortar stores. So there's so many things that go along with that and so many concurrent cycles of business that are going on that it's quite fascinating. And we are deluged with data. That certainly wasn't the case before. And that can sometimes enhance decision-making, but it can also paralyze decision-making. And plus the real key is how do you interpret the data and are you even asking the right questions in the first place? So the path along the way to business has become, on one hand, more democratized because there's not the barriers to entry in the same way there were. But there's also so many more people clamoring after success that it's become a very crowded playing field. And how do you make yourself distinctive and create a brand that will resonate with a wide consumer public out there? So there's a whole lot there. Uh, but those are, that's the main changes is that, that convergence of technology, social media, consumer buying habits. And then you layer on top of that in the last two years, 
COVID, which has forced a lot of boom in online businesses. But now some of the other businesses are beginning to rebound a bit. And so what does that mean? So you look at something like Peloton, which did phenomenally well due to COVID because people couldn't make it to the gym. They could have their exercise program at home. Well, when it seemed like COVID was receding, Peloton took a huge dive. You know, so that's just one example. But I'm just trying to clarify just the very difficult and competitive business environment there is out there. I really like the way that you answered that question. It leads me to another question that I wanted to wanted to ask you a little bit earlier. So when it comes to the definition of success, you had defined there's more people clamoring for success. How would you define success? Well, for me, Stephen, success has, you have to place it in context. So you're talking about business success, or you're talking about personal success, and you know how are you defining success? For myself, in business, being successful to me is being able to say no without catastrophic business consequences. So that's success to me that I can afford to say no and it doesn't hurt me financially, that I'm well enough protected that I can say no and not worry about it. On a personal level, success to me is the integrity and maintenance of deep long-term relationships with my family and closest friends. Because I believe the true currency in life is the integrity and longevity of the relationships that you have and maintain. How things have changed and how rapidly, not just technology being adopted and in the application of that technology to amplify your business or further differentiate yourself from other, from other people. It seems as if now that is a factor that is, you have to really double down on, but 40 years ago, it wasn't that way. Is that true? Or just did people were, that people were dealing with information differently 40 years ago, whenever you first started in business? Or was it because you've learned so many lessons along the years that you can make the observation now that those are the factors that are the biggest differentiators? Well, I think it's both. Definitely, you know, I have more in the rearview mirror. And so when you look back and you try to make sense of things, I've got a lot of experience to try to figure out and help me make sense of things. Business is always competitive. I think that the difference is now, uh, you and I were, were talking about it before we even went online, is that there is a, basically a, a very fake, and these are my words, not, not yours, a very fake notion of what being an entrepreneur and success is. That comes through in social media where people create phony images of who they are and the businesses try to position themselves and try to look like something they're not. And the overarching story on all of that is trying to posture as if you're successful. And that somehow, by the way, that if you create this recipe of seven steps, five steps, 20 steps, whatever it is, that you can replicate that success. And that's bullshit. You know, you can't, that's what I call the myth of replication. You can't replicate somebody else's success. You're not them. You're not dealing with the same people. Circumstances are different. Psychodynamics are different. What you're selling is different. All of these sort of things. That then reduces it, from my point of view, to what's most important, which are best practices. How do you show up to do your job 
or sell your product? And do you follow through and deliver on the promise that you set out in the first place? That's always been the most important thing in business. Was there a particular time where that wasn't the case for you? Or did you deal with somebody that isolated how important that was to you as a principal in your business? Yeah, my parents, you know, my mom and dad were uh, entrepreneurs. They had uh, retail stores in Akron, Ohio, which is where I grew up. And they, you know, not consciously, but modeled behavior that I and my sister, who is also an entrepreneur, she owns her own business, emulated. Uh, And that is that you establish strong relationships, that you establish trust. How do you establish trust? By listening to others, having them feel validated, you know, and heard. So you deliver to your customers the product you promised to deliver to them. And you deliver it for the price that you said you were going to do it at. You deliver it on time. These are just basics of business without all the window dressing and horseshit out there about, you know, what success is and, you know, live your best life and uh, all of these platitudes that I just don't subscribe to because I don't think they mean anything. And, you know, what means something is what you actually do, not what you say you're going to do what you actually deliver, not what you say you're going to deliver. And if people then choose to come back to you because you fulfilled the promise that you set out to fulfill. So I grew up seeing my parents do that. And that seemed to me to just be, that's how you do business. You know, and it doesn't make any difference how big you get. What makes a difference is that you can always follow through on the trust you've established and deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Yeah, that principled approach. In the intro to the podcast, we talk about how you don't necessarily need to live a life of filters. And when we first started that, we really wanted to isolate the difference between what social media, at least from a perception standpoint, was creating and also the relationships that are affected if you don't have a clear understanding between the differences of the two. For instance, if you are a supplier and you have a quality control issue, how do you deal with that quality control issue? How you do the small things is going to reveal how you deal with the larger challenges. And so at the time, we were dealing with some quality control issues at the company that I was working at, and it severely impacted the reputation of the business in the market, quite frankly, just because it's processes weren't followed. It's very frustrating. It was difficult to establish long-term trusting relationships because of the quality control issues that we're running into. So have you seen in your years in business where somebody could recover from maybe that loss of trust? Yeah, I have. I'll give you two examples. So there was an incident back in the 1980s, a major company, McNeil Laboratories, which ended up being bought by Johnson and Johnson. McNeil Laboratories their main product was Tylenol. And I don't know if you read about this or whatever, but this was huge at the time. There were people who were dying from taking Tylenol. And the reason that happened is because somehow the product was tampered with. It happens coincidentally, the person who was head of of public relations and consumer marketing is a kid I grew up with. And so that made me focus on it even more. And what was fascinating is he told the truth. 
and the CEO of McNeil Labs went on the air and said, we don't know what's going on, but what we're going to do is remove all product from the shelves until we discover what the problem is, why it happened, and to make sure that everyone is safe. And it was an unvarnished truth. They admitted that they didn't know, but they were going to get to the bottom of it. They did, and they won a great deal of public trust as a result. Okay, so... They did that by telling the truth. Now, by the way, that is a case study at Harvard Business School, how that was handled and how beautifully that was handled. Handled, they told the truth. But there are so many times when you look at major companies that lie because they think that somehow they're going to get away with it. That's one good thing about social media is that they can't because a customer can talk back now. And so... uh, Jump ahead and you look at a company like Uber. Uber, which had this tremendous trajectory upwards. There was a lot of uh, bad behavior, particularly with the founder. Uh, And you can see this, by the way, in WeWork to much more of an extreme. But these things were the public, uh, there was an arrogance in the leadership that they never thought they'd get caught. And, you know, the principle is the same. Tell the truth. Because ultimately, you're going to be outed anyhow. So how do you, as a business, make the right decision to be forthright with the truth and minimize the damage instead of trying to perpetrate a lie that historically, every time the company gets caught anyhow? <laughs> you know, So that, to me, in a way, seems like common sense, but common sense is not so common. I appreciate that. That's that's a fascinating story. Do you still talk with that? I don't know if you mentioned the gentleman's name, but the person you grew up with who handled that? Oh, yeah. Yes, we are good friends. Very cool. And by the way, I asked him, we had been out of touch for a while and then reconnected, and he's a, a great person. And uh, we were having lunch together, and I was talking about that because I used that incident to discuss in the class that I teach called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. And I said, you know, you're a case study at the top business schools in the country. Why wasn't that example followed? It's even taught in colleges. Why isn't it followed? And he was shaking his head and he kind of laughed and said, because most of the time, these companies' leadership, they're so arrogant, they just don't think they're going to be held accountable and don't think that it's going to happen you know, that they're not going to be held accountable. And there's just this arrogance and isolation that goes on in so many companies that uh, they just think they can get away with stuff, you know? And it's kind of incredible to me because it also, you know, the problem with lying is you have to remember which lie you told a particular person. (laughs) So you gotta, it's a lot more work, you know, just to keep, well, what, Stephen, what lie did I tell you? I'm trying to remember which lie did I tell you because I got to reinforce that lie if I hope to maintain that illusion at all. So, yes, we still talk about it. And and he, by the way, is dumbfounded also as why don't people just do the right and simple thing? That's fair. And I can imagine, just from my own personal experience, it's harder in some cases just before you have to be honest with somebody to be honest, it's easier to deal with after the fact because you actually have a predictable fallout of 
the information, all the cards are on the table. You can actually creatively come up with solutions. If in fact, that there's a mutual agreement to move forward, there's simplicity in just being honest. That's why we branded this as knucklehead, to be honest with you, because we, you know, we realized that people are messy. Sometimes situations and transactions can be very dynamic and that creates friction and mistakes happen. And to, you know, come up with a business model on a sheet of paper in a boardroom, make a decision, put together a budget, raise some, raise some money and go attack a market. It's not going to be that simple. And so we wanted to really lean in to that friction, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't necessarily learn a lot from successes, but you can certainly learn a lot from the mistakes or the obstacles you had to overcome. And, you know, I think that to the to your point about being honest or or waiting, it's true in personal relationships also. I don't know if you're married or not. Uh, are you married? Happily married, right? At 16 years, just about 16 years. Good. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you've never had a difference of opinion with your wife, right? Not in the last 30 minutes. <laughs> right, yes. That's because we've been talking. <laughs> to rewind the clock back a little bit longer, yeah. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's the only reason why. <laughs> but the point is that that's real, right? You know, and the point isn't whether or not you're going to have differences. That's going to happen. The important point is how do you resolve those differences? And that's really true in one's personal life and it's true in one's business life. And, you know, so sometimes telling the truth is really daunting because of the fear, I believe, that it's just going to ignite further problems and you're going to have to confront things, whether it's with a spouse or a friend or whether it's in business, that it's going to ignite further problems that you rather not deal with. And most people don't take the long view, which is if I don't deal with that now, it's only going to get worse later. You're absolutely right. Well, that's what's fascinating, talking to people who've been in business for so long, because they've dealt with so many different personalities, dynamics, there's scenarios, almost regardless of the business. What kind of business does your sister have? She has a, a high-end women's fashion store, retail, in Charleston, South Carolina. That's fascinating. Very cool. Well, for those of you who are listening in South Carolina, Jeffrey's sister is out that way. So make sure you support them. The name of her store is RTW, which stands for ready to wear. I like it. Very cool. Well, RTW in South Carolina, for those of you who are listening, go go check them out. Jeffrey, we want to land this podcast with really one thought, and that is when you make the mistakes that you make, whether it be a supplier challenge, a transactional difference, you know, where some claim has to be made, help those of the listeners to understand how you best deal with those mistakes. And do you do a lot of expectation management on the front end or do you let the principled approach that you have kind of speak for itself on how the solution is going to be resolved? Well, by definition, a mistake is something you didn't expect to happen. So what you try to do is, you know, beforehand, like I'm in production, when you're doing production, you try to anticipate problems, but there are problems that can happen that you just don't know are going to happen. Uh, so by its nature, a mistake catches you by surprise. I think that the worst thing you can do is 
start making excuses as to why X happened. And I think that it's fine to say, well, look, we just had this between you and I in a very small way. I was concerned when your voice was echoing, you know, I could have been afraid to say something to you. And then it ends up that you have an unusable podcast. So I wanted to point out a problem. And your reflex was, let me fix it. And so there wasn't any making it, oh, this never happens, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, yeah, shit happens. So uh, I think that it's, it's how I do business. The reason that I maintain the clients as long as I did, I mean, Ralph Lauren was a client for 38 years, Victoria's Secret for 27 years. You maintain that because you establish trust. And again, you deliver on that promise. And when there are mistakes, own up to it so you can resolve it and move forward instead of spending your energy trying to make up crappy excuses that nobody's going to believe anyhow. And people are going to have more respect for you if you own up to the issue and then move forward. I can appreciate that for sure. And you're absolutely right. This is not the first time we've ran into audio challenges. Each (laughs) time there's a new episode, it happens. You have to kind of roll with it. Sometimes depending upon the scale, they can be amplified. And uh, that's always fun to deal with the fallout afterwards. So Jeffrey, I appreciate you taking some time. It's been a lot of fun visiting with you. So tell people, how do they get in touch with you? There's a couple of things that you've touched on where I could see why somebody would want to, hey, I want to have a further conversation with Jeffrey here. The principled approach that he has, the honesty that he has, and potentially a market like New York. How would somebody get in touch with you? Well, see, I could have been lying about this whole thing. So, you know, that's, that's possible. the other part. Yeah, yeah. You just have to be an effective liar. Yeah. You know, that's the other part of it. That's true. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I think the best way and where your listeners might get the most value is twofold. One is I'm on LinkedIn and on LinkedIn, I actually regularly post quotes about business, about the kinds of things we're talking about and other, and other things on LinkedIn. So if they look up my name, be Jeffrey Madoff on LinkedIn and follow, they can hear quotes from the course that I teach and get some really good insights into business. And then The other thing is Instagram, there's at a creative career, which also has the quotes from guests in my class. You don't just hear from me. You hear from a lot of really knowledgeable people in different fields and so on. And that's a great way to download some really good information. If I may uh, promote my book. Of course. I have a visual aid here, Stephen. So this is how prepared. uh, Sounds very good. It's called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. Nice. uh, Published by Hachette. It was an Amazon bestseller. And it's about the kinds of things we've been talking about, but it approaches it from many different creative fields. And uh, I'm proud of the book. And at the end of each chapter, there are questions that if you answer them honestly about yourself, you can end up with your own journal, which can be very, very useful in your own journey in business and in life. Creative careers. Making a living with your ideas. Yeah. Making a living with your ideas. Do you use it as the baseline for a lot of your coursework too? So if folks, you know, attend your course? Yes. I mean, that just started, the book came out almost two years ago. So it just, uh, I started using it in the coursework because it was interesting. I was getting a lot of feedback from people that 
they were answering the questions. There wasn't enough space on the page to answer the questions. So they kept a separate tablet or journal and ended up having something really useful. And I thought, oh, this could be great for the students. I hadn't even thought of that. That's fantastic. Let's do this. Those of you who are listening to the podcast, you got your several calls to action there. Jeffrey just told you exactly how to get in touch with him if you want to interact with some of his content. But in addition to that, if you want to take a step further, there's a course. In addition to that, there's a book. So Jeffrey, they can get in touch with it on Amazon, just anywhere you get their books. Yeah, Amazon. Or I like to say it this way. At all fine booksellers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like it. It's trying my FM radio voice there. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking some time. And for those of you who are listening, quite frankly, those there's a couple different ways to get in touch with Jeff. But my suggestion is go check out some of the resources that he's talked about. You know, I like to always not just test things out, but also look at it from multiple different perspectives so you can get a, a better understanding of how to apply some of these suggestions. We appreciate you. Anything else you want to leave these folks with before we jam? Yeah, I'm going to enhance what you just said. When you said, look at things from different perspectives and all of that. The way that I put it is stay curious and keep educating yourself because that's the best way to not only be fulfilled, but to stay ahead of the curve and, and be equal to the challenges you have to face because there's a lot of knowledge out there that you can share in, but only if you're curious and only if you're willing to admit what you don't know. And I was very fortunate that I know what I don't know. Absolutely. And that's where you need to seek the help too. And not just from your wife's perspective. I know she's rolling her eyes in that as soon as I say that, but <laughs> absolutely. Jeff, I appreciate you. For those of you who like listening, listen, Knucklehead, new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. You know how to get in touch with us. Appreciate y'all. Have a good rest of the day.